G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey and I'm joined by my dad, clinical psychologist Chris Mackey, and this is Psych Spiels and Silver Linings. G'day dad, how are you going today? Good thanks Rowan, good to be with you. Good to be with you as always and good to be with you for this topic which is a little bit of a briefer topic in some ways but I know it's a topic that you find very important. So we've called today's episode Learning How to Sting and we spoke about it a little bit at the end of last week's podcast but what are we going to be talking about today? Okay, so this is another topic that gets back to the nature of change or how we go about change. And as we talked about last time, when people see a therapist, they're on about changing their behaviour in some way, doing more of something or less of something else, feeling less anxious, feeling less depressed, being more organised, feeling they're acting more consistently with how they want to in whatever way. Now, the thing is, to be guided in our behaviour... It involves not just positive feelings, but also painful feelings. There are messages, there's value in painful feelings. It can be motivating for us, for example, if we slip up in some way or act in a way that hurts someone else or act in a way that we'd rather not. If we feel some kind of pain from that, then that can actually be beneficial. It can be motivating to us and all the rest of it. But it's also how we experience that pain. The first thing is not just to block it out or make excuses for ourselves or pretend that there's no problem, like if we've had a lapse in dealing with an addiction or someone's acted very aggressively when they're trying to manage their anger better or people have slipped up in whatever way, just lost their temper very unhelpfully. When it boils down to it, it helps to be guided in our behaviour. And I think one of the things that guides us is when we allow ourselves to sting or feel a bit bad if something hasn't gone the way we wanted. We've slipped up, we've acted hurtfully towards someone. But the idea of stinging is it feels bad, but again, it's not crushing. A sting is temporary. It doesn't go on forever. Because sometimes rather than just avoiding the painful feelings, people get overly caught up in painful feelings of self-criticism, bashing themselves up, giving themselves a really hard time. And when people are experiencing depression, there could be a tendency to be that way. So we're looking at some kind of balance of being guided by painful feelings associated with negative consequences of our behaviour, but again, not overdoing it, not getting into beating ourselves up. And it's one of those things that, you know, now that you say it, it makes absolutely perfect sense in terms of how often have, you know, all of us, like, oh, absolutely, put my hand up for this, where you look back on something and you think, oh, geez, you know, I wish it didn't go like that, or I wish it went a bit better. But there's almost two ways that you can go with that. In terms of you can go, oh, it, it didn't go as well as I wanted to. Oh, no, throw my hands up in the air. There's nothing I can do. Oh, that just sucks. Just sit with almost the negative feeling. Or you can go, well, actually, what can I do to ensure that that doesn't happen again? And it strikes me that what we're going to be talking about today is, is basically how can we leverage some of the discomfort that we go through to put ourselves in a position where we ensure that it doesn't happen again. Yes, so really partly what we're talking about here, it's a term we can use called experiential avoidance. If people avoid the experience of painful emotions because they're trying to block out or numb or ignore painful feelings associated with some slip-up, like a lapse with an addiction or something like that. If the person just makes excuses, covers up, blames someone else 
or just deflects from their responsibility in a situation, they're not going to tend to make that lasting change. They're not going to tend to use their sense of agency to bring about some kind of difference. So when people engage in that experiential avoidance, it might temporarily dampen their sense of guilt or shame, which can be overdone as well. But if people are just trying to dampen those feelings or block them out or deny them or project them or blame someone else for their own slip-ups, people are going to tend to repeat the same mistakes again and again and again. Better to learn to sting. Well, certainly, and it might be a little bit of a crude example in some ways, but as we were talking about this, the example came to mind of, say, being maybe a younger kid sort of playing in the backyard with a ball and, you know, maybe a bit of backyard cricket and you end up breaking a window with, with the ball and, you know... As a kid, your natural tendency is probably to, you know, let's not tell mum or, you know, let's, is there a magpie around that we can blame it on or whatever it is. But in some ways, if we don't kind of go through the discomfort of, you know, getting in trouble, being told off, we're more likely to put ourselves in a position where we break the window again, you know, having got away with it in the past. And then you're in some ways facing more discomfort having to come up against this situation again than if we just bit the bullet, dealt with it at the time and got in trouble for breaking the window. Yes, and that's certainly the benefit of children learning ways of taking responsibility early, but that can be a slightly complicated thing, as you're saying. Actually, I was talking with a colleague this morning in supervision, actually, and my colleague was raising this situation about a young child, well, it might have been just entering high school, this boy, and maybe was doing certain kind of things and not doing other things, and the mother was saying about the boy lying. Now, it's also tricky, in a way, to think of it as lying or calling it lying. And it might be if a child gave some false feedback about some marks that they got on a test or something like that, or if they got into trouble and they distorted the story of what the trouble was about. Now, again, there's a problem if that child learns to handle that situation by pretending that it didn't happen or pretending there was a different truth or trying to explain it in a different way. But these are different forms of experiential avoidance. But rather than maybe just, if you like, blaming the child for lying, which is such a moral judgment kind of thing, maybe it's more helpful to explore with the child if you find that they've said something different, say your teenager has done something and they've denied it or whatever, look to have a conversation with them about that as well. But to try and make it a safe place for the teenager, the child to maybe acknowledge first that they did something wrong, but also to be able to talk a little bit about how they feel about it and to in a sense, encourage them to allow themselves to feel a bit bad about it. But you're not trying to get them to feel terrible and you're not trying to just judge their character or their behaviour because if people feel their character's judged or they're just thought to be a liar or whatever, there's the problem that you get of kind of labelling and people might be more hesitant to own up to things in future if they think they'll be judged or it just makes them look worse kind of thing. So part of it also is in our relationships of giving others that we're close to, family members, friends, giving them scope to be able to acknowledge having slipped up in some kind of way without 
overly harshly judging them for that, giving the person maybe the opportunity to acknowledge what they did, giving them the opportunity to maybe apologise or process what they've done. You know, look to maybe convey where you have concerns about how someone's acted or whatever, but also looking to convey you're not looking to really punish the other person. Just have them acknowledge that maybe that wasn't the best way of going about things and it did affect you in some way or like it was unfortunate. It's worth acknowledging that. So basically what we're talking about is looking at an attitude and a culture where, including a family culture, where if someone acts poorly, they're able to acknowledge it. We look for the person to acknowledge it but not to be too harshly judged. And I think that helps create the circumstances where people are more likely to acknowledge their slip-up and, if you like, allow themselves to sting, fess up to it, but it not have to be some ongoing punishment. Well, we've used a, a couple of examples of, of kids there, and I don't necessarily want to pick on kids too much today, but I find it interesting that, for example, if we contrast, say, maybe a, a kid's reaction, which you can understand in terms of kids want to avoid discomfort and maybe don't understand the consequences of things as well but say contrast that with I remember it was Nick Revolt in the 2009 AFL Grand Final so his team St Kilda had just lost to Geelong and uh, Nick Revolt gets up there as the losing captain on the dais to make a speech and one of the things he said it was something like you know remember this boys remember how much it hurts bottle it and we'll use it to you know come back more motivated stronger bigger and all that sort of stuff and well, they did make the grand final the next year and maybe, oh, I know they drew that grand final and maybe losing the, the subsequent week, maybe that was a bit more than a sting. <laughs> it probably didn't allow them to maybe harness some of that discomfort for motivation. Maybe it was just a level of despondency and uh, maybe that speaks to the balance that is to be had with some of this sort of stuff. Obviously, we want to really feel it, but almost the name of the game in some ways is to maybe harness a sense of discomfort that is going to be motivating for us rather than having to beat ourselves up or just, you know, as you say, get real judgmental over the way that someone's behaved or acted. I think that's a very good example in the sporting context. Actually, I can remember there was a football game this year where afterwards a team had lost in circumstances where they thought this pretty good team should well have won and there was one of the players in the losing team who was seen like joking and laughing with someone of the other team. I think they'd previously been teammates or certainly friends. Now, in a way, I think that could be going overboard. It could be being overly judgy of the person who was able to smile and laugh even in the context of losing. But I think the background point is that you can understand where sporting coaches or in a team, people could want their teammates also to be able to sting, to feel bad a bit, but for the purpose of motivating themselves, for the purpose of coming back strongly. And so certainly there's a pretty good record of teams that have lost in a grand final coming back and winning later on. And certainly that's used often as motivation by the coach the following year, isn't it? Saying, remember, remember how you felt at the end of the game last year. So they're trying to conjure up that stinging kind of feeling. And then you hear sometimes players say, it got down to the final quarter. And I thought, I don't want to feel bad like I did last year. I'm going to keep on going. It's also where sometimes when people win those competitions, they say afterwards it was a relief because they know some of the otherwise bad feelings that they could have. So, yeah, there is a balance, I think, as you say, 
with these reactions. You don't want people to feel like depressed for 20 years because they lost a grand final. But if people didn't feel bad at all, afterwards you'd think they're not harnessing that kind of learning of their preference of applying their craft to their best ability. Well, certainly. And actually, now that you say that, like now that I think about it, just absolutely off the top of my head, so this may not necessarily be you know, 100% true, but most champions in sport that I can think of have experienced a loss, like even whether it be, say, Michael Jordan in the 80s. And then if you think of the big three in tennis, like Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, they all kind of lost to each other at different points in their career. And uh, even LeBron James and Tom Brady, people like this experienced losing. But it seems that their success came out of maybe being able to harness that. And I heard a fascinating example of an experiment that was done by a psychologist at Stanford University. And I suppose this just speaks to maybe the level of denial that we can maybe induce within ourselves if we don't let ourselves sting a little bit and I believe basically there was a a lady in uh, this experiment they did this experiment with a bunch of people but uh, that hypnotized people and were asking them about their experience of pain and so I think they got them to place their hand in a, a bucket of iced water and they asked them you know how are you how are you feeling how's your level of pain and this lady was saying you know no no pain at all no pain at all you know out of 10 zero 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 but then and she was hypnotized at the same time they asked her with a pen and paper to write down her level of pain and so she's verbalizing you know zero out of ten zero out of ten but as she was doing that she's writing two four seven giving this indication that she actually was experiencing more pain but it was almost like the different centers of her brain one for kind of language the other for writing stuff down almost deceived each other in a way in terms of it just speaks to this maybe way that we can deceive ourselves and although we may not necessarily be experiencing something you know at the most conscious level well it is still there and maybe if we don't find a way to sting and maybe alleviate some of the negative feeling that that comes from denying a particular situation, if we don't find a way to do that, well, it's still going to be there under the surface. So uh, I wonder if maybe stinging is almost like a little bit of a pressure valve in some ways in terms of it allows us to just sort of access a little bit of that pain which is maybe under the surface if we don't acknowledge it. Yes, and I think that comes up, for example, if people do have lapses with addictions and they make excuses for it. Or one example of a fellow I can think of, he was getting many speeding fines and he was getting them in the same spot. He was actually driving back from Melbourne to Geelong. Now, each time he got a speeding fine, he would tend to deny some of his own responsibility in it. He'd be that angry with the state government for having these speeding fines and all the rest of it he'd get home and he'd take the fine and he'd basically or when it was delivered and he'd virtually throw it to his wife for her to deal with it kind of thing so this kind of disowning of responsibility and you know displacement of his frustration at his own slip-ups that were becoming quite significant he could have lost his license from keeping on doing this and displacing his frustration onto the government and then uh, putting this responsibility onto his wife that wouldn't have helped their relationship at all now again that was a form of denial of responsibility but deep down you could tell that 
he did have certain feelings of helplessness and frustration and a sense of a bit of ineffectiveness of, of responding to some things that he wasn't dealing with as directly. So it really struck me he would have gone much better off if he allowed himself to feel bad, didn't make these excuses, paid the fine himself and then took his foot off the accelerator or at least not push it down as far when he's going in that same spot each time because it was starting to become predictable he was about to lose his licence. Or maybe as Nick Revolt would say, bottle it and use it for motivation in the future. But I wonder, Dad, how do we find maybe a sense of balance with that? Because like, if we think of, say, say physiological say responses in the body, like quite often if we are exposed to a virus, it's our body's immune system which causes all of the symptoms that we find most uncomfortable. Or in many injuries, we can experience the injury itself, but the body will swell in a particular way that causes us further damage. So I suppose we have a tendency as maybe humans in a certainly a physical capacity to potentially overdo it in some ways and cause ourselves further injury because we're maybe cultivating a little bit too much of this stinging idea. Yeah, well, look, I think that the main alternative, and one we've talked about before, but in a different context, is self-compassion. So self-compassion, a lot of that, it starts off with allowing yourself to be human. And then you look to improve the situation in some way. Well, with self-compassion, if someone's grieving or distressed, then they might do things to calm themselves. But if we think of self-compassion in this sense, where someone's slipped up in a significant way, so they have acted hurtfully towards someone else, then first of all, allow yourself to be human. We're imperfect if there have been bad habits, they are, they can be hard to change. Allow yourself to be human. But by the same token, don't deny it, don't play down, don't pretend it hasn't happened. And this is where there's also an expression used, learn to fail or fail to learn. Now, learning to fail is to recognise also we are going to at times slip up in different ways, but we want to learn from those kind of experiences. And if we just deny some of the negative consequences or our responsibility for them, then we're likely to keep on failing to learn. But when it comes to self-compassion, if it's allowing for our common humanity, okay, we can slip up in different ways, but that aspect of looking to improve the situation, rather than just looking to make ourselves feel better in some ways, how about we do something to actually act differently to show that we have learnt that's how we might improve the situation and give ourselves a pat on the back for that. Allow ourselves some credit for we look to take responsibility, we look to do something different. I think that's the self-compassionate way. So the emphasis is on some kind of behaviour change. The emphasis is on learning, but we do it in a context where we're somewhat forgiving of ourselves for being human, including continuing a habit we've had before. It might be a lapse, but there's a way of making a lapse not become a relapse. A lapse is less likely to become a relapse if we don't just get stuck into ourselves and throw up our arms helplessly. If you like, allow ourselves to sting and think, no, I don't want that to happen. And that's what I call also learning to use your lapse as a lever. You get more leverage from allowing yourself to sting, like you said, those football players on the ground at the end of a losing grand final. It is kind of like bottling that, it's acknowledging that, but it's using the feeling as motivation to change your behaviour because it's the change in behaviour, improving that, that makes things better for other people, yourself as well. 
Well, it reminds me of that, I believe it was a Winston Churchill quote where he said, success consists of going from failure to failure without the loss of enthusiasm. So it strikes me that we're not going to succeed at absolutely everything we do, but part of it is having almost a process to be able to go through things that we can fine-tune things as we go, maybe get a little bit closer to this mythical idea of perfection. It's almost like we want to use a negative feeling in this context to fuel our focus in some ways and the other thing that I suppose just to finish with stinging dad is if we don't let ourselves sting in a particular situation if we kind of deny these feelings well it can lead our thoughts and our feelings to become isolated from each other we can almost become not integrated in a particular way where we're not acknowledging certain things within ourselves and then we're rationalizing maybe a a, way of thinking that doesn't acknowledge some of those feelings that we have under the surface so it strikes me that it's it may not necessarily be the easiest thing to do particularly for maybe an overthinker and a perfectionist and uh, I, I can certainly relate to this idea being difficult at times but I think the idea of using you know a sting or, or a negative experience to to fuel our focus and help motivate us towards doing something that's going to ensure that we don't have the same negative outcome again. Yes, and look, I actually, just one brief anecdote to finish up on myself. I remember a personal relevance to this. Early when I started work in Geelong at the hospital, I just recovered from a depression when I was a student. And I'd learnt not to allow myself to feel too bad again and slide into a depression. But not long after I started work, I said something to someone that was a bit indiscreet and it caused some distress to someone I greatly respected at the hospital. It was actually the senior psychologist at the time. And the senior psychologist pointed out to me that what I'd said was somewhat indiscreet and it caused her some difficulty. Now, I won't go into the example, but I really respected this person and I really wanted to learn from that experience. And I remember it went through my mind, I think this is when it first went into my mind, I thought, I'm going to allow myself to sting. I didn't want myself to get depressed about it. I knew what that was about and I didn't want that to happen. But I did want to feel bad enough that I would remember that situation and not likely act in that way again. And so I allowed myself, it was largely over about five or ten minutes, I was sitting in my office and I was just contemplating the hurt that had caused my colleague and also why what I'd done in that situation was unwise And I just allowed myself to, dare I say, feel bad over that period of time. But I was doing it with the purpose of learning something so that wouldn't likely happen again. And it did lead me to be more aware in a similar situation coming up in future, maybe to be careful what I said in that kind of situation. So that's just one personal example. I didn't want to slide into something like a depression, but I did want to allow myself to feel bad. And so that's just one personal example of not getting caught up in experiential avoidance, if you like, but by the same token, I was learning not to give myself too hard a time as well. Well, I think that is a a good example to finish, Dad, and it reminds me of just a a final quick quote from... So Pat Riley was a a five-time NBA-winning basketball coach, just a a super-decorated basketball coach, and he had a quote which says, "'You have no choices about how you lose, "'but you do have a choice about how you come back "'and prepare to win again.'" And to me, that's a little bit about what this is about. So I think that's a great example and a good topic that we've spoken about today. So thanks for chatting with me about all this, Dad. 
a good quote to finish on, Rowan. I look forward to next time.